Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. This season, our third season, we helped our listeners learn how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization, how to minimize disruption, and how to even normalize the concept that change is usual. We explored the various themes that we covered in our second season to drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change. We've invited various professionals to our podcast, and their stories were shared on what has worked and what was difficult when trying to effectively lead an organization through change. Today, for our final episode of Season 3, and bringing our year to a close, looking back over the season, I wanted to see what we've learned. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you'll know we've talked a lot about incorporating the practice of change management into an organization that is moving through some major transformation. And in the past two years, we certainly have seen a tremendous amount of change. While change management is not specifically a field that is widely talked about, there are practices that are used in organizations, whether they call it change management or not, to help move an organization through change. And there are certainly metrics we can use to track to see how well an organization is ready to embrace a change or how well they're dealing with a change. I particularly like how Tammy Pinkston a leader at ISG and a guest on season three, episode two, defined change management. Organizational change management is about moving people through the change that their organization is taking on. And at the very core of our human psyche, our our human existence, we like predictability. We like things that are known, and change introduces so much tolerance for ambiguity into the organizational workforce lives that people handle change differently. They handle it at different paces, different rates, different aspects of resiliency, and that's at the core of what we have to do in this field of study. So it's always going to be about the people. So for this episode, I'd like to highlight some great points our guests made about change management, whether they knew that it was called change management or not, and how it was working in their organization or how they've been able to affect change properly in an organization. Keep listening to hear what they have to say, as well as a sneak preview into season four's topics. We can define change management as a systematic approach to dealing with transition or transformation of an organization's goals, processes, or technologies. The goal of change management is to help guide the people at the organization through the change while minimizing negative disruption. We can't always predict change, but we know when it happens, the best thing to do is get a plan in place and prepare people for what's happening next. When undergoing change as a team and as an organization, 
it's important to clearly define the goals. Whether you're shifting your goals as a company or need to be reminded of them during turbulent times, setting clear goals can act like a North Star. If debating an important decision at a company, leaders can weigh them against the company's goals. Does this decision help us reach our goals? Does this choice detract from our goals? More on this is reflected in the conversation I had with Sasha Lund, CEO of Core Values Consulting and guest on episode 12 of season three. Sasha talks about the success and goals of a company are highly tied to its core values. It doesn't really matter where you are in your journey, what culture or country you are from. Although cultures are vastly different and you approach certain challenges in, a, in vastly different ways, in the end of the day, what really drives you and what makes you and your business thrive, if you are a family business, it is really staying true to your core values. Jen, you talk about you know vision, mission. It's something that every, every single company creates this massive statement on their websites usually, but very, very few actually lead by example and live these values. And for family businesses, this is even more important. So when we feel overwhelmed or work is chaotic, we can look to our goals to guide us through change. Next, I want to talk a little bit about how to tackle processes during a transition period. Often we implement change because processes may not be working or there's simply a better way to do something. The problem, however, can be that as people, we don't generally like change. We don't want really to change, even if that change ultimately does make our lives easier. We tend to focus on how much effort it would take up front instead of realizing the effort saved later on. Glade Holman, Managing Director at Learning Bridge and guest on Season 3, Episode 3 believes that if you include people in your strategy sessions, they're more likely to go along with the change. You can ask yourself inside your organization where you sit, does strategy create a club or does strategy create a community? Obviously, you know where I'm going to lean into, that strategy can create a community. And that means that basically it sets the context and gives meaning for everyone's work. And therefore, no matter where I sit in the organization, if I share in the strategy, I'm part of the same context. I can see my part in the story and I can belong to that. And that creates a sense of community where I've seen some folks kind of think like, you know, we're the smart ones. And so if you're smart enough, you can join our strategy conversation, which is a club. Communities are going to do much better (laughs) at helping you survive um, and actually execute your strategy over the long run. So I'm always looking at using strategy or even a change initiative, right? You could, you could say strategy is a way to get an organization to go to a new place. That's change, but. You can speak about it in general, any change. I want to involve a community in that. Um, I don't want to create a club. So that means I'm going to be very much more participatory. Our first guest of the season, Kevin Campbell, also believed that including people and how to change the company process is something very important. Something he points out is that the way you convey the change is almost just as important as the change itself. It certainly helped us refine the messages. When I look back on the messaging we started with versus the messaging we ended with, it changed quite a bit. And that all came from feedback from people about what was important and what they heard. A lot of us as leaders sometimes forget 
We don't have 360 views about what's going on, and we don't understand what's on everybody's mind. So by testing the messaging, right, and moving, then you keep moving it along. A big reason as to why organizations must evolve is because of rapidly changing technology. The pandemic only sped up an already incredibly fast-paced period that we are in of technological advancement. While tech is supposed to make our lives easier, sometimes we feel it makes it harder. Sometimes people resist new technologies out of fear or even misunderstanding. However, Grant Reby suggests about how technology can actually help drive a human-centered experience as opposed to disrupting it. Let's start with understanding that automation is typically aimed at removing laborious work from our office flow, our workflow, our business, right? Repeatable work, stuff that really doesn't require a lot of thought to do. And that's what automation is as aimed at. I think we're all kind of on board with the fact that technology could do this and it could take away this busy work, so to say, from us. I think what gets lost in that description is that a lot of people take relief from busy work in their day-to-day experience. And so while that might not be the most value-add task, it is something that people enjoy doing, or it's something that they feel a high degree of competency doing, and so that gives them some sort of reward. So right away, we start to encounter resistance when I said, hey, Jen, I'd like to take away this task from you that doesn't add a lot to your day, and it takes up a lot of time, and I'm just going to have this machine do it. I'm not engaging with a conversation with you that says, do you like this task, right? Do you get value out of this task? For you as a person, is it okay if I take it away? From a corporate perspective, we're not going to think about that, but we should think about that from a technology perspective. If we're not thinking about that from a change perspective, that people are taking value out of their work, we're missing something entirely. So lots of aspects around automation that we can talk about, but the fact that you know, we're taking out what we consider low value tasks and we're not thinking about the experiences people are having with those tasks and why they enjoy them is immediately creating a whole bunch of organizational friction that we're just not addressing at all. Grant and I also had an interesting discussion on how the forced remote work that we experienced during the pandemic may have skewed a lot of perspectives on technology. Grant believes, however, that it doesn't have to be this way. We moved remote without a reestablishment of what those norms would be. We just assumed that what lived in our office environments would live when we moved to remote work. Now, the challenge with that is we all went into crisis mode and crisis mode, it's all work all the time. And we never renormalized after our crisis. We never intentionally renormalized after the crisis. So, so then you see all of this behavior happen, which is leading to all sorts of burnout. It's leading to all sorts of friction against corporate culture and, you know, is a huge driver within this great resignation concept that is around. I don't think that addressing this is a particularly difficult challenge. I think it simply requires the awareness that we should address it and then the energy to go address it directly. The example that I am thinking about is 
for a consulting organization and you might travel with a team as Samantha and I did in the past and go go be at a at a client site so you can support the client. You're you're together. So you spend time with the client, you spend time with your own team. Time with this you spend with the client is generally around work. Time that you spend around your own team is sometimes about work, but it's also about learning. So I was in a room and I was learning about change management and transformation from Samantha. Now, when we're remote, we get all these meetings. Who are all the meetings with? They're with the client. And then if we have a meeting with a team, it's all about business. What work do you have to produce today? So where is the space that needs to exist for the mentoring, the learning? We need to create that space. And we simply haven't addressed the fact that part of our time needs to be set aside for not strictly production. We need to set it aside for mentoring. One of the biggest and most important aspects of change management is considering the people. In fact, I would argue that the whole point of change management is to help guide people through changes that you're implementing or encountering. However, sometimes leaders struggle to see that that is the purpose of change management. My guest, Tammy, shared an incident that I think highlights exactly why change management is necessary. I'm working with a client today where, no, more than two weeks ago, it wasn't last week, it was the week before, where I had a client resource say, why are we doing this organizational change management stuff? They're going to have to do it. This is going to be the, the tool solution. So why don't we just tell them to do it and move on? I just took a deep breath. I like the power of pause. And I said, that's one strategy for sure. That is that is a strategy. But over those three decades, what I've come to learn is that is a strategy that works for a certain type of person. Absolutely. But for the majority of people, they need a little bit more information. They need to be led a little more gently. And at the end of the day, they need to be able to articulate their concerns or their questions or really just understand why, what's in it for them. And that's where we spend most of our time. My guest, Kevin, made a great point about how being an authentic leader helps you and your people in times of change. You can learn from other people, but you can't be somebody else. You have to be yourself. And then you just have to learn how to better, you know, do that. And I think if you aren't transparent, and I'm not saying that people don't always try, especially when they're making a case for change, think about the positives, but you also got to be realistic about the negatives or the things that we have to manage together because stuff's going to happen. And if you aren't authentic, if you pretend everything's perfect, you pretend you always get it right. You pretend you get it all the uh, answers. It doesn't work. And so I think with change, I think that saying it's going to be bumpy or we might have missed a few things and we're counting on you to help us. All those things are so important along establishing the credibility, along with the case for change, and then managing yourself through it. On the note of being authentic. Every episode of this show, I asked our guests, what are three things that leaders and organizations can do not only to survive, but thrive and change? So before we wrap up, 
I'd like to play some of the sound bites from our guests from season three. They offered a lot of good perspectives on how organizations can not just survive, but thrive and change. Communicate, communicate, communicate. There's never too much. Communicate early, communicate often, communicate in different ways. Only when you start to get tired or you start to think, I think I'm saying this too many times, that's only when it's landing, when it's resonating. You need to do it a bunch more times after you've done that. I think anytime, of course, there's any change, there's any success, there's any milestone, communicating, celebrating, or pointing to why you're changing direction, communicate, communicate, communicate. Really maintain focus on a longer term North Star. You know, there's a purpose piece of that, but I think the strategic objective is is really, really important that everybody in the organization is bought into and understands where you're headed because when you do that really well, it actually creates a lot of space for people to figure out the best path to, to get there. I think that's a, that's a key to surviving and thriving. Those leaders that are able to set and shift the mindset of their organization to look at the change as something normal, as something that is not going away, as something that's our way of living these days, and let's find opportunities and wins in every change, they they will definitely succeed. And we know already many, many companies that have done this incredible, you know, leap during those change times. Tie everything back to why you're doing it in the first place. What does it do for the business? What problem does it solve? Make sure people really understand the why behind what you're doing, and it'll be easier for them to adapt. Through periods of change, it becomes more important than even in normal times to have a set of people around you who challenge you, who compliment you as a leader. And by compliment, I don't mean flatter. And who are empowered to bring their own unique strengths to the organization. Because as we went through the different phases of our pandemic response, One of the things that stood out to me along the way was how at different points in response to different challenges, we were tapping into different groups of people and different individuals who had vastly diverse experience, perspectives, and strengths. And I think in a dynamic environment, that diversity of perspectives and strengths is just critical. Thank you everyone for listening and joining this week's episode of our Survive and Thrive podcast. In season four, we will focus on the future of work. What will work look like in six months, in a year, maybe in 10 years? What can we do now to lay a solid foundation for the changes that are coming? Tune in to season four to find out. And remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.